Hello and welcome to the Herbal Sensorium, a sanctuary for musings and explorations into the sensational realm of clinical herbalism. I'm your host, Erica Gallantin of Sovereignty Herbs and the Herbal Practice Connection, and I am so very grateful for your company today. Well, hello again, my favorite plant people. I hope this month's episode of the Herbal Sensorium finds you all well and settling into the flow of the season. I think I say this every month, but I can't quite believe it's May already. I was out trail running this morning in the woods, and as I ran past fire pinks and may apples and spider warts in full fanfare, I said to myself out loud, I can't believe these things are blooming already. (laughs) And this, my floral friends, is the real deal time warp I find myself in these days. May flew in like a stork carrying a heavy bag of baby. And I say this not only because we had the most amazing spring ephemeral bonanza here in Appalachian, Ohio, or because my gardens are currently exploding. I say this because at the beginning of the month, after almost a year in the making, I finally burst out into the world my biggest, most ambitious project yet. The Herbal Practice Connection, or HPX for short. For those of you unfamiliar with the story of the Herbal Practice Connection, I'll say this. HPX was conceived and born with the sole heart path mission of stewarding a community space for seedling to seasoned practitioners of herbalism, which means students too, seeking resources and support to build and grow their clinical herbal practice. I've put a link to all the information about HPX in the show notes for those of you who are interested in checking it out. Uh, We've had two roundtables this month, which I'm calling Pep Talk Tuesdays. Uh, We've got a case history review session coming up with yours truly, and a specialty training on the path to registered herbalist membership with the American Herbalist Guild. We are also jam-packed with goodness in June as well. And I am so thrilled as my esteemed colleague and fellow clinical mentor, Camille Freeman, will be popping in to talk with me about how to start seeing clients without having a dispensary. Camille and I thought it would be a super helpful process to share with folks what some alternatives may be. Another really cool thing about HPX that I wanted to share with you is what I'm calling accountability quests. And these are thought-provoking questions that are meant to widen perspectives, stimulate curiosity, and kindle creativity when it comes to growing and evolving as practitioners and entrepreneurs. So One of the accountability quests this month in HPX is all about identifying your values as a clinical herbalist and exploring how these values can also form the foundation of your business practices. 
Now, to be fair, it's not every day that I personally think about my values as a clinical herbalist, unless they are being challenged by some goings-on in my life or in the world. So to have the opportunity to explore what these are in a constructive way, in a way that allows my values to shine in their own merit rather than in the shadow of something that is challenging them, is a very welcome exercise. So what are my values as a clinical herbalist, you may ask? And how do these translate into how I show up for my clients, for my business, and for myself as a practitioner and entrepreneur? Well, for those of you who know me or have gone through any of my clinical or business mentorship programs, you will know that for me, there are three main core values or pillars of clinical herbal practice. And these are safety, ethics, and accountability. And when I think of these three pillars of clinical herbal practice, safety, ethics, and accountability, my mind's eye conjures up images of the iconic and beloved dandelion with its fortifying roots, its nourishing leaves, and its healing flowers with all its forms and expressions. Now, I appreciate my mind's eye may not make any sense to you in this moment, but if you stick with me through this month's musings in the Herbal Sensorium, I will share with you more deeply about my values as a clinical herbalist or these three pillars of clinical herbal practice and how the small but mighty dandelion has become a potent symbol, a talisman, for upholding these values in my clinical work and my approach to business. Because clinical herbal practice is a business after all. Earlier this month, I also taught a three-hour seminar on clinical forms in herbal practice, and one of the few of many soapboxes that attendees witnessed that day was in regard to this idea that as clinical herbalists, we have an obligation to elevate the reputation of our profession. Here in the U.S., the herbalist is still an obscure being, shadowy, operating in gray areas. At worst, the stereotype has us flying around on broomsticks as anti-Western medicine charlatans with a propensity for harming people with dangerous, uneducated advice. Indeed, American pop culture has us largely pegged by many as just as fantastical as graduates of Hogwarts. The stereotypes we are up against as clinical herbalists are various and tenacious. Potholes, if you will, that have made the road to building a successful herbal practice very difficult and even potentially treacherous to travel. And so we have a lot of work to do in educating the public and our prospective clients about our work in the world and about the benefits of working with a clinical herbalist in general. Nowadays, everyone is an expert. Advice is cheap on TikTok and Instagram. And there is also this loud jungle 
of highly qualified and credentialed licensed practitioners who have caught on to the herbal product and dietary supplement money-making train and are now recommending herbs to their patients and clients. Not to mention that you can pretty much purchase any herb you want just by walking into Walmart or shopping on Amazon. Why would a person need to pay for your supportive suggestions when they can just Google the answers themselves? Time and time again, I promise you, you are going to have to turn to your values as a clinical herbalist and an entrepreneur so that you can amplify your call, so that you can be a voice of reason and an advocate for our profession and do so with authenticity, integrity, and professionalism. Overcoming stereotypes and raising awareness about the important role of the herbalist in a person's life requires education, sure, but it also requires building our individual and collective reputations. One client at a time, one conversation at a time, one business dealing at a time. And this, my beloved colleagues, is where our values as herbalists as clinicians, and as entrepreneurs really take root. Now, I'm about to dive deeply into three pillars or three core values of clinical herbal practice, safety, ethics, and accountability. But these are not the only values I have as a clinical herbalist and entrepreneur. In fact, there are many more than three. In our discussions in the Herbal Practice Connection, other values have risen from the hearts and souls of fellow colleagues. Some of these include autonomy, sovereignty, empathy, honesty, transparency, accessibility. Adding to this list, I have conjured others such as reliability, patience, trustworthiness, collaboration, professionalism. So tapping into your heart, your moral code, your sense of purpose as a clinical herbalist and entrepreneur, what other values come forward for you? I encourage you to think about this, to feel about this, to write them down, explore them in a journal or a vision board, because your core values shape who you are in the world and will be your compass through the sea of challenges that lie ahead in your career as a clinical practitioner. So I'm currently sitting here with my mug of dandelion leaf and flower tea. And it probably won't be too long now before I start to experience these diuretic effects. So I'm sipping slowly. Uh, the dandelion flowers came from my medicine gardens, harvested at peak pollen production and gently dried in a dehydrator. And they're just lovely, folks. Um, the dandelion leaf, however, came from one of my favorite small herb farms, Golden Hour Farm in Michigan. And boy, oh boy, folks, this dried dandelion leaf is gorgeous. 
They do such a great job with both fresh and dried herbs. So you should totally look them up. I'll put a link to their website in the show notes. While I'm here sipping on this bitter yet nutritive brew, I wanted to share with you now why I consider safety, ethics, and accountability as three vital pillars or values of clinical herbal practice. And I want to do so through the lens or the metaphor of the dandelion, because for me, the dandelion has become a potent symbol or talisman for upholding these values in my clinical work and in my approach to business. So I want to start at the root of the dandelion with the first pillar or value in my clinical work, and that is safety. Often when I'm speaking with my students and mentees about safety, they rightly assume I'm referring to the Hippocratic adage, do no harm. That safety as a value is a reflection of our ability to guide and suggest without running our clients into trouble, without creating additional problems for them, or worse, sending their health and wellness in the wrong direction. We often speak of holding safe space. This idea of the herbal consultation as a container for our clients to explore physical, emotional, and even spiritual roadblocks to achieving their health and wellness goals. Our clients need to feel safe in order to trust us as practitioners, as space holders, and in order to learn to trust themselves. In many ways, being safe or practicing safely can also mean practicing gently, beginning simply, and taking a tonic approach to herbal support. So we could also view safety as a reflection of clinical practice philosophy or how we actually practice as clinical herbalists. Safety is also about protection. And yes, this can mean protecting our clients, for example, through our privacy and confidentiality practices. But it can also mean protecting our clients from ourselves. Recognizing that if we are not reflective and humble in our work, that we can very easily cause harm to our clients through psychological projection, egomania, power dynamics, you name it. And this idea of protecting our clients from ourselves is something that I will return to a little later on in these musings, as it shows up again and again for me when I'm exploring my values as a clinical herbalist. But safety as a pillar of clinical herbal practice is also about safety of the practitioner. So I, as an unlicensed practitioner of clinical herbalism, am not technically legally protected in my work here in the United States. And so, so many of my mentees and students speak about their fear, not just of inadvertently harming clients, but of putting themselves or their families or their businesses or the profession in the hot seat for crossing some legal boundary that they didn't know even existed. In fact, there is a lot of fear for folks who are just launching into clinical herbal practice, and generally a lack of feeling unabashedly safe in their work in the world. For me, now over 17 years into clinical herbal practice, 
I do feel safe as a practitioner, but this took work and research to build and create policies, practices, clinical forms, etc., that act as a container for me to work within and to find my confidence within. So bringing this pillar of safety back to the root of the dandelion, I am reminded that the dandelion was one of the very first herbs I ever learned about and ever experimented with on my herbal journey. And we are talking about quartz upon quartz of decoctions. Dandelion root could even be considered a gateway herb into the miraculous universe of herbalism because of its universally gentle, tonic, safe nature. As educators, we turn to the dandelion when we teach beginners about using herbs to safely support themselves. In fact, I would say hurting yourself or hurting others with dandelion root is rather unlikely. I also think about dandelion root with its tonic support for the liver and the gallbladder and the bowels as an expression of a philosophy of practice, a philosophy that is less about the herbalist or even the herb as the hero that saves the day, but rather as the ally or trustworthy friend that has your back as you navigate your own way through your challenges. So rising up from the root of the dandelion, we find the food-like, nutritive nature of the leaves. And the leaves of the dandelion, with their vitamins, minerals, fiber, and other nourishing compounds, very much represent for me the second of three pillars of clinical herbal practice. And that is ethics. When we look up the definition of ethics in the English dictionary, we find statements such as a set of moral principles, a theory or system of moral values, or a guiding philosophy. Another definition that I would like to bring forward here is the principles of conduct governing an individual or group. As I think having principles of conduct in our clinical work and in our professional interactions with our colleagues and other individuals in our industry and even other healthcare providers is vital to professionalism, vital to elevating the profession of clinical herbalism, and vital to elevating one another. Having an ethical code of conduct is the nutrition that our profession needs to come together and to work together. And whilst maintaining ethics in our interactions and relationships with our clients is most obvious, where I would like to put emphasis on ethics here is on how we interact with other clinical herbalists, our colleagues. Arguably, not having an ethic by which to interact with one's peers leaves very little room for healthy debate, for differences of opinion, from learning from one another. And healthy debate and exploring others' points of view are evolutionary acts. It is how we evolve, both personally and professionally. Indeed, I think it is impossible to build community 
without some sort of ethical standard or code of conduct. It can even be harder still to both garner and receive respect without such an ethical code. So, our profession grows stronger and is elevated by the nutrition that ethics can provide. Just like our bodies are nourished and strengthened by the nutritive leaves of the dandelion. I think ethics here also has a lot to do with which herbs we choose to use and how we source them. I'm speaking here of unscrupulous wildcrafting practices, unchecked use of at-risk species, and not paying attention to sustainability, especially in regard to the global herbal supply chain. For me, ethics in my clinical herbal practice is also about the plants themselves, reaching first for that which is most abundant and which represents the smallest carbon footprint possible like dandelions, for example. What I can't grow or ethically harvest myself, I will first attempt to source through American herb farmers, like Golden Hour Farm, and specifically those closest to home, the closer the better. And whilst sustainability and ethical sourcing of herbs undoubtedly deserves an entire herbal sensorium episode on its own, it's another example of how ethics can nurture our profession and how a lack of ethics causes harm, and in this specific case, to our most beloved allies, the plants themselves. And for those of you who are interested in the discussion of ethics surrounding herbal supply and the global herbal supply chain and you know sustainable harvesting and wildcrafting and sourcing, I'd like to point you to uh, both United Plant Savers Uh, as well as the Sustainable Herbs Program with the American Botanical Council. And I will go ahead and put links to those in the show notes as well. So moving up from the nutritive leaves and the pillar of ethics, we arrive at the dandelion flower, which for me represents the third pillar or core value in my clinical herbal practice. And that is accountability. In speaking about accountability, I am referring not only to being held accountable by colleagues or by my professional affiliations, I am also referring to holding myself accountable for my thoughts, words, and deeds as a clinician and as an advocate for the plants and for the profession. I'm also speaking about a philosophy of clinical herbal practice whereby I am guiding my clients into a relationship with themselves whereby they can hold themselves accountable for their actions, thoughts, behaviors, habits, etc. Anything that stands between where they are in their health and wellness and where they want to be. It's about putting the power and the responsibility back into their hands. It's not my job to fix things for my clients any more than it's the herb's job to fix things. In my philosophy of practice, accountability is the pathway for my clients to fix what needs to be fixed, to mend what needs to be mended, and learn, grow, and evolve into a healthy, loving, 
reciprocal relationship with their bodies. When it comes to my own actions, in many ways, accountability for me is akin to transparency. It's about putting myself out there abundantly, just like the dandelion, and being willing to be held and hold myself responsible for my thoughts and actions. And I want to break this down a little more because I think this is really important. So what does accountability look like when I am able to hold myself accountable and I am also able to be held accountable by my peers and my clients? So if I were to unknowingly conduct myself poorly or behave in ways that defy an ethical code of conduct or which cause harm to my clients or my colleagues, I want both my clients and my colleagues to have some pathway to recourse. In fact, this is so immediately important to me, it was one of the driving forces behind why I decided to become a registered herbalist member of the American Herbalist Guild, and why I have maintained my membership with the National Institute of Medical Herbalists, even though I am no longer living or practicing in the United Kingdom. Both of these organizations have grievance procedures. If I were to cross a professional ethical boundary, there would be a process through which I, as a member of these organizations, could be held accountable for my actions. This is important to me for the sole purpose of building and maintaining trust, especially with my clients. In fact, in my informed consent and disclosure form, I specifically state this to my clients. There is a section on that form that provides them with information about who to contact and how to contact them if there needs to be a grievance made against me. This is so fundamentally important to me in establishing trust and rapport in my client relationships. Holding myself accountable. This is as much about integrity as it is in being able to take responsibility and learn from my mistakes. It's like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it is also about protecting my clients from myself. Holding myself accountable for my thoughts and actions requires self-reflection, humility, and vulnerability. This is how I learn. This is how I grow as a clinical practitioner and as a member of a professional community. But facing oneself and one's actions takes courage. In fact, it takes the same courage that I ask of my clients in facing themselves and holding themselves accountable for their own actions. In order to be good at what I do, in order to support my clients in doing this work, I also must do this work. In order to evolve in my skills as a practitioner, I have to make the commitment and take the time to go within, to reflect, even when I think I've done well. Accountability is healing to our wounds and imperfections as practitioners colleagues, entrepreneurs, and humans. Just like dandelion flowers are healing to our skin and mucous membranes. 
Accountability encourages vitality, learning, and opportunities to grow and evolve both personally and professionally. And so with every clinic day that passes, every conversation I have with colleagues, every reflective journal entry I write, these three pillars of clinical herbal practice, safety, ethics, and accountability, stand side by side with other core values, which all together hold up the roof over the sanctuary of this sacred work. And with that, I want to leave you with a brief reading from the infamous Nicholas Culpepper as he writes about the dandelion in The English Physician. But before I do, I want to remind you about a part of Nicholas Culpepper's story, the part where, as a medical populist, he upheld his core values surrounding putting knowledge about the healing virtues of plants back into the hands of the people by translating medical texts from Latin to the common tongue so that everyday common people could learn to take care of their own bodies. He wanted everyday people to have access to herbal knowledge because he believed that that was right and ethical. And he was chastised for this, cast out of his professional community for upholding his values. So this is what he writes about the dandelion. You see here what virtues this common herb hath, and that is the reason the French and the Dutch so often eat them in the spring. And now, if you look a little further, you may see plainly without a pair of spectacles that foreign physicians are not so selfish as ours are, but more communicative of the virtues of plants to people. And with that, my dear friends, I bid you adieu. This is Erica Gallantin of Sovereignty Herbs and the Herbal Practice Connection, wishing you wellness wherever you are on your clinical herbalism journey. Thank you all for being with me in the Herbal Sensorium, and I look forward to spending time with you again here very, very soon.